I want to continue on where we left off here, and I just can't get past this. I want to talk to you about believing. How many believers do we have in the house today? Come on, lift your neighbor and say, I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a believer and not a doubter. Because doubting, I tried that. Come on, it was no good. I like believing a lot better than that. It's amazing so much that we believe in things that we can't see all the time. Isn't that true? We believe in the weather. How many uh, check the weather at night before you go to bed? How many check the weather in the morning before you even go outside? You look at the weather report and you say, well, I tell you what, they said it's going to be cloudy with a chance of Rain. So when you hear that chance of rain, you go ahead and grab your umbrella. You don't wear your suede shoes out. Come on. Come on, Brother Lynn. You put those suede boots back in the closet when you hear that there's a chance of rain. But how many know how many times has the weatherman been dead wrong? I say it all the time. I believe that God placed us in a little pocket in Euless where we live. It's like people don't even know that's Euless. They come, people have said all the time, you live in Euless. They're like, oh. And then they come to our house and they're like, I didn't know this was Euless. I didn't know this was back here. This is like a little pocket. They always say it's like a little hidden gem. But you know what? The weather does the same thing. I mean, it can be storming everywhere. There can be tornadoes, everything, and it will open up right over. We'll look at the radar, and it's like there's a, isn't it? There's a little hole right over where we live. And I said, thank you, Jesus, because the Lord knows that my wife can't stand storms. That's what it is. <laughs> And she'll have a brother sleeping in the closet. And, uh, <laughs> and that's a true story. <laughs> when we first moved here, we didn't have basements. And April was a fan of going in the basement. because she... Now, to her defense, when we were in Colorado one time, I was out of town. And there was a tornado. And it was bad. And she was, I don't know why she always does this. She always wants to look at the weather. I'm like, if you're scared, then why are you standing by the window looking up there? So she's standing by the glass door, and she's like, oh, the winds are bad. There's angry clouds out there. And just about that time, the neighbor's roof blew off and fenced and smacked right up against our glass door. Bam! Here comes Wood, and she ran and got down in the basement. and <laughs> with the, huh? Yeah, there's a funnel cloud out there, and it hit, and she was down in the basement under mattresses. So, to, so she has a little bit of, of reason for that. And then when we moved to Texas, of course, no houses out here have basements. So she was a little skittish about that. And the girls thought, oh, they had this cool little hideout under the stairs. That was the girls' playroom, their hideout. And so many a night when we first moved here... I'd get waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Come on, let's go. Let's go to the hideout. What? I'm like, honey, what's going on? <laughs> let's go to the hideout. She's like, oh, dear God, we're scooping up sleep kids and going down there and getting in there with the spiders and everything, but we were safe. Come on, somebody. And it's amazing that now never one of those times did any glass break, did a fall cloud come near the house, but we were there. We believed it. And so that's what it is. People believe what they don't see all the time. They go by what somebody says and what could happen, but they don't see it happen. And yet when God speaks something to us, when we read it in God's word or we hear it, all of a sudden it's hard for us to grasp. Why is that? He's never let us down. Come on, look back over your life. Has God ever let you down? Well, there was that one time, Pastor, that I almost lost my... What, what was the key word there? Almost. There was that one time, well, if God is so good, then why did... Why did what? Why did... Well, yeah, you made it. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I made it. Come on, the, the best message of faith. Uh, my pastor friend was said he's preaching on how to overcome stress. I said I would have done this. The title of my message would have been like, I'm still here. Come on, that's, that's it right there. I made it. Come on, somebody. How many can say, without a doubt, God has never let me down? Yeah. You say, well, all my prayers didn't get answered the way I wanted them to be. That doesn't change the fact that God never lets you down. 
I posted on Facebook a scripture last night, and I had somebody, and if you're watching, you know I love you, but I had somebody come on there and put, really? With a question mark. I said, all things are possible to him who believes. And his, question, his remark was, really? And I was like, okay, I know where you're going. I know where you're going with that. And you know, there for a minute when I saw that, I was taken aback for a minute. I thought, wait a minute, can some people get, will some people get hurt by that? Because how many, to be honest, you say, I prayed something and I didn't get what I prayed for. I prayed something that didn't come to pass. It didn't happen. We've all, we all can raise our hand. But that doesn't change the fact that God is good. Yes. That doesn't change the fact that God is who he said he would be. It says whatsoever you ask, if you believe, then in believing you will receive. In believing you will receive. And sometimes we can pray and we can ask things, but are we really in believing? Come on somebody. And our, what are we believing? What is our faith in? And I want to talk to you today. We're going to get into the difference between head faith and heart faith. I'm going to treat you a little bit this morning because I think it's very important that we get this. How many know I could get up here and I could scream and holler and run around and sweat up my suit and we would go out here and say, Woo, we showed it at church. But then you might go out here leaving, not changed at all. I want you to leave out of here grasping a hold of some truth and getting it for yourself. Somebody say amen. John chapter 15, verse 6 through 8 says this. This is where Jesus is talking about being the true vine. I preached a, a while back on being the vine. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. But John 15, 6 through 8 says... If anyone does not remain in me, underline remain, if anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are gathered up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Hmm. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. You know, there are a lot of ministers that, that used to preach the word, that, that knew the power of God, that preached the full gospel message, and then all of a sudden they just stopped remaining in Him. How many know you can still do your thing and not be in Christ? Can I get an amen? amen. Every day there are people that go to church, show up, get dressed up, come to church, and they're there, but they're not really there. There are preachers in pulpits all over the country that are preaching under an unction, but they don't have a relationship with God. We, we can all get there. I've gotten there before where my prayer time and my Bible reading time was more to get a sermon than it was to have a relationship with Jesus. And that'll work. The word remain, the word abide, is a Hebrew word, meno, and it means to dwell. It means to stay there. It means to make residence there. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are gathered up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, then, come on, there's a comma. So whenever you see a comma, what does that mean? That means in order for what's after this comma to take place, then you've got to do what's before this comma. Now, some of you wives in here, I'm looking at the women folk in here. Some of you wives speak with commas all the time. Isn't that right? Isn't that right, man? Come on. <laughs> they may not put the comma on there, but it's there. Come on. It's like... If you blah, 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 then blah, 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 blah. And all men here is the then. <laughs> That's all we hear. Come on. Oh, okay, this is going to happen. No, I said, if you... And that's it. That's the conditions there. It says, and then after the comma, it says, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Proving yourselves to be my disciples. 
Yeah, and that Greek word meno, I said Hebrew, but Greek word meno means to dwell and stay there. If you stay in him and you make your home in God, we need to put on Christ, the Bible says, put on Christ like new clothes. Come on, when you get up, you put on clothes. And you've got to change them and put them on. Nobody jumped out of the bed this morning and threw your pajamas on, I mean, kept your pajamas on and threw your clothes on top of them. And if you did, just keep looking straight ahead. Don't, don't make it in. <laughs> but you changed. You took off the old and you put on the new. And that's what the Bible tells us, that we put on Christ like new clothes. And that's what we need to do. We need to abide in Him. We need to stay in Him. We need to dwell there and put Him on. And when you do that, when you wear Christ, when you're in Christ, when you made him in Christ and abide in Him, how many know that changes you? That changes your desires. That changes your walk. It changes your talk. Instead of camping out and visiting, how I many know a lot of people visit Christ? They don't live there. You used to hear a long, a long time ago, that's a nice place to visit, but I wouldn't want to live there. And a lot of people visit Christ on Sundays. They visit Christ on Christmas and Easter, but they don't live there. God is asking us to abide in Him and live there. And when he, when you abide, it says, and my words abide in you. That means my teaching is there, my words are there, and my words will then control your thoughts. They'll control your ideas. They'll remain there, they'll guide you, they'll be your inspiration. And we wonder where our inspiration comes, where our thoughts come from. Sometimes we get our thoughts come from whatever influences us. How many watched something crazy on TV and then went to bed? Or maybe went to bed and the TV was playing and all of a sudden you got very inspired dreams. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? You start dreaming and you're like, man, I had a vision last night. I tell you what, Pastor, tell me what this means. That means turn your television off and don't eat spicy food before you go to bed. That's what that means. I said, you can't go to Uncle Julio's and then, and then leave the, the TV on HBO and think you're going to be ready for church in the morning. Come on, somebody. Because your surroundings begin to affect your thoughts and your inspirations. And what goes in will come out. And so many times we think, well, I didn't get the desires of my heart. Are you following me? How do you get the desires of your heart? Your desires have to change. Your appetite has to change. My wife loves fungus. She loves mushrooms. She, she would eat mushrooms all the time. But when she got with me, I can't stand fungus. Ugh. It just, it has no taste to it. It feels like something's just hanging in the back of your throat. I'm like, oh, 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 oh. And, and I don't like it. I just, it's a texture thing. I just can't do it. And I had a bad experience when I was seven years old. Angie, if you're watching, it's all your fault. My cousin had some Godfather's pizza, and I asked for a piece, and she kept telling me, no, you're not going to like this. And I said, but I want some. She said, you're not going to like it. You're not going to like it. It's got stuff. I don't care. I want it. She made me sit at the table for two hours until I and wouldn't let me get up until I ate the mushrooms off of this pizza. And I was scarred for life. I haven't wanted to eat mushrooms since I was seven years old, and that's been some years ago. And I, but April's appetite changed. When she got with me, it's not that she doesn't necessarily like him anymore, but she chooses to go without it because she loves me. She'll go and she'll be in the store and every now and then she'll buy something with mushrooms and she'll try to sneak them in and then she'll get convicted. The Holy Ghost convicts her. And she's like, I was going to put mushrooms in there, but I didn't. I didn't. I, I've noticed that the longer we're together, her appetite begins to change to what I like. We go to restaurants and all of a sudden she starts ordering things that I like. And we start splitting things or she'll see me eat a certain thing and then she starts liking it that way. Because she's around me and her appetite begins to change. Because the more time she remains and abides with me, then she begins to enjoy the things I enjoy. Somebody say, I'm getting it, I'm getting it. 
Psalm 37, 4 says this in the New International Version. It says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Take delight or delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. What does that mean? Delight means to, now this is weird. When I was studying the, the Hebrew word for delight, it means to be luxurious. It means to be dainty. <laughs> dainty. I mean, that word is just funny. I mean, dainty. It means to be dainty and luxurious. It's an effeminate word. In other words, it means to have total reliance for sustenance to come from your supporter. That was my definition. It's basically a word of having a benefactor. Now, I know I'll get in trouble if I say what I wanted to say. My wife gives me that look already, but <laughs> I want to say it so bad. But somebody's going to take it the wrong way. <laughs> it's almost like, oh, I'm sorry. It's almost as if God... Now, you guys got to hear me. I'm putting a disclaimer on there. I'm not saying this. This is not the word of God. This is me. But it's almost like having a sugar daddy. Okay? Now, you see in the movies all the time, these women, they have, they find this guy, and they, they delight themselves in him. They do what, now, I'm painting a picture here. They do what he wants them to do, dress how he wants them to dress, live how he wants them to live. They do everything he wants them to do. And what do they get in turn? They get in turn anything they want, right? Right? You get anything you want. All you have to do is make him happy. All you have to do is find delight in him. And that's what I got when I was reading, because I'm looking at all the Hebrew definitions. I'm like, well, come on, Brian. It's right there. I mean, be dainty, effeminate, luxurious. Come on, it's right there. And it was like, when you take delight, when you find your delight in the Lord, when you find your delight in Him, when you make yourself happy by making Him happy, come on somebody, when you try to do everything you can to live for Him and to make His happiness your happiness, then He will give you the desires of your heart. Are you following me? So I'm not saying God's a sugar daddy. I'm not saying you can do whatever. But I'm saying that when you get to the point where you're saying, everything I do, from the time I get up. That's what the queens did back in the day. That's what Esther did. She, um, can somebody pull down the, the um, Lynn, can you pull down the slider on this? This is really hot. But that's what Esther did in the Bible days. She prepared herself to be, to find favor with the king. She prepared herself for a year by just soaking in perfume. Come on, somebody. How many of you women would love to have that life? <laughs> you know, I'm going to prepare myself. I'm going to take the next year off of work, and all I'm going to do is, is bathe and then go to the spa. Come on, can any of you women like to sign up for that? Thank you. That's, that's good. Any of you women just like to, I'm going to spend six months getting massaged and, and pedicured and manicured, and then six months just, just getting perfume sprayed on me every day. I'd be all right. And that's what she was doing. So she knew that she would find favor with the king by saying everything about me from head to toe, from the time I wake up, she learned to walk, talk, eat, live, do everything like the king liked. So then she would have favor with the king. And I'm telling you today, that's what God is seeking from us, that our whole life is used in pleasing him. And I'm not just talking about on Sundays. I'm not just talking about when it's convenient for us. And sometimes we get to that point and we live our life like that and then we wonder why, how come I didn't get the desire to my heart? My prayer wasn't. And then we can put, really? Come on. Because it didn't happen for you. Maybe your desires didn't line up with his wishes. You got to know that. You get to the point where you're at that whatever you want stage in the relationship. Yeah. <laughs> we, we joke around all the time. Whenever we're going to go somewhere, we go out to eat, go do something. We, we spend 30 minutes in the car. Anybody ever done that before? Where do you want to go? I don't know. You pick. You pick. You pick. You pick. <laughs> we pull in the restaurants. 
And we think we want to go there. No, I don't want to go here. All right, all right. We pull out, go to another one. No, I don't want to go here. Well, you pick. I don't care. And then how many end up right back in the first place? <laughs> and it finally comes down to it where she says, I don't care. You choose whatever you want. And I'm like, no, it's not whatever I want, because if it's whatever I want, we'd be sitting in Fat Burger right now, and we'd be done. <laughs> whatever you want. I named five things, and you, you came up with some reason why we can't go there, so it's not whatever I want. It's whatever you want, so go ahead and choose something. And so that's where we've got to get to that place where we're just like, Lord, you know what? It's truly whatever you desire in my life. That's what I'm going to do. And I wanted to tell you just a couple things. And the first thing to believing and receiving, the first way to get what you believe and to receive that is stay close to Jesus. Abide in him and let his words abide in you. If you stay close to him and know that he's right there and you're close to him, then you're going to make sure that everything is lining up with him. How many would live your life differently if the Lord Jesus physically walked and talked with you, sat in your car? Come on, how many would clean your car up? <laughs> I mean, hold on, Jesus. You've been throwing stuff in the back seat. Hold on, just give me a minute, Lord. Let me, let me pop the trap here. I'm sorry about this. I wasn't expecting you. <laughs> God, I, my car ain't usually like this, God, really. I'm just, I, if I had known you were going to be here, I really wouldn't have had to. Woo, well, I didn't know that was in there. Oh, man, praise God. I've been looking for that for six months. When I when I was dating my wife, she had a hatchback, and it was bad. She had a little pro sports car, and uh, she would take stuff, put it on the passenger seat, and then somebody get in and take it from the passenger seat, set it nice and gingerly in the back seat. Somebody else went to move in, and he throw it from the back seat to the floor, you know what I'm talking about? And then it was pop the trunk, put it in there, until the point where you couldn't get the trunk shut. Because everything was in there. I mean, she could have a yard sale uh, just by cleaning out her car. We were cleaning out her car one time. Somebody came by and was like, you guys have any yard sale? No, we're just cleaning out the car. I'm telling you, how many would live your life differently? Maybe the radio would play something different. Hello? Maybe you wouldn't stop at some of the places that you frequent. Hello? Maybe you wouldn't let some of the people get into the car that ride with you. Maybe your conversation on the phone would be a little different. If the Lord Jesus physically was sitting right there, you would know. So I want us to stay close to him. How many would freak out if the doorbell rang? They looked out there and was like, Jesus? Is that you? You have to take your sandals off right here, but you come in. Come on. We, we freak out when our doorbell rings. <laughs> like nine, nine times out of ten, it's just a salesman, even though we have a no soliciting sign on the door. They don't read that. And you know, I'm honestly saying this is a little sidebar here, but I think the generation today doesn't even know what that word means. I'm convinced that people just get hired at sales jobs, and they, that should be the first day. When you see this word, even though you can't pronounce it, this is what it means. Don't knock on the door. No, I mean, sometimes I've been like, seriously, and I'll just look at it. I'll just sit there and talk to him and I'll be like, <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't see the sign? And one guy came over there and I was like, no, we're not answering. He kept, kept badgering me. I said, no, and also we have a no soliciting sign right here on the door. He's like, oh. And you can tell he's still looking like Ann. <laughs> What does that mean? You need to buy some soliciting then if you don't have that. That was nice of you to put a sign out there. But I'm telling you, your life would change if you were close to Jesus and you knew that he was right there. Come on, just, just right where you are, just tell the Lord, Lord, I give you permission to follow me around. I give you permission to ride with me. I give you permission to hang with me. And Lord, I pray that you would make yourself known. Amen. Amen. Now that you've said that, guess what? Isn't sure? Isn't sure?
Stay close to Jesus. Number two, the way to believe and receive is don't get caught up in the temporal. Don't get caught up in the temporary. Do you realize that the situations that you're facing are just temporary? The thing that's in front of you that looks so monumental that you feel like you can't get past, that you feel like there's no way through it, guess what? It's temporary. It's temporary. The worst thing that can happen to you is what? You die. And guess what? That's temporary. Come on, somebody. Have you ever thought about that? The worst thing that can happen is you die from something, and even that's temporary. Because that's just life is just a vapor, and eternity is forever. So you can die from this life, and that's just temporary, and your situation's going to change. So I'm telling you, don't get caught up in the temporary. Don't put all your works and everything into this temporary problem and think this is... This is going to derail my faith. I can't believe and receive because of something temporary. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we live by believing and not by seeing. Or we walk by faith and not by sight. What does that mean? That's not just talking about your ovals. That's not just talking about visual seeing things. Physically, that's talking about I'm not moved by what I can grasp. I'm not moved by what I can understand. I'm not moved by what I can see, but I have faith in the eternal thing. I walk and live and move by faith. I'm believing that this is going to happen and not what I'm seeing. Come on, somebody. We have to hear and know what God has promised us, what God has told us, what God has given us, and hold on to that, not being swayed, not being moved by anything that our natural eyes hear and see. Because if you're moved by that, you're going to get messed up all the time. You've got to understand that God is working while we're waiting. God's working while we're waiting. If you wait in faith, if you wait upon the Lord, if you say, God, I'm trusting you, I'm not moved by what I see or feel, but I know you're going to do something, God is working on your behalf. God is always moving. He's working behind the scenes, I like to say. He's doing something when we can't see it. And then when we come in and we're all upset and we're fretting about something, we have to know that God's been on his job. One year from now, I like to, I am a hopeless romantic. <laughs> I like to take care of my lady. And, uh, you know, even though there's been times where we haven't had lots of money, but I'm going to get creative and I'm going to do something. So I remember one Valentine's Day in particular. We were wanting to go out and, you know, I thought, well, i got to do something special. And so I went, to, I went to Walmart. I bought me a little dozen roses in a vase. I went over and got the dollar vase. Come on, somebody. I'm, I'm the big spender. I got the roses on clearance. I went to Dollar Tree and got the vase. And then I went and I got a card. And I went to the restaurant. I'm driving home. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, I haven't done anything. It's Valentine's Day. What am I going to do? So I did all that. And I went past Outback Steakhouse. That used to be our jam. We loved going there. And so I went by Outback. And I went in. And we ate there so much. The manager knew me and everybody. And I went up to him. I said, look, Troy. I said, this was early in the day. I said, I want to bring April here, but I want you to hook me up. I said, here, I'm going to leave these flowers here, and I want you to put it out on my table and everything and have it set up when we get here. And he's like, okay, okay, Pastor, I'll do that. And so I went and got April, and we, I said, well, let's go. I said, we're probably not going to be able to find anywhere. And I'm like, well, you know, it is Valentine's Day, so everything's going to be packed. I mean, we drove by, and I purposely went by a couple places, and they were packed. I was like, oh, man. I said, well, let's try out back. And we get there, and the parking lot is jammed. I mean, people are parked way over, and they're waiting outside. It's just like, I told you, this is ridiculous. And we went there, and I went up, and I was just like, um, so they're party of two. And they're like, I said, how long is the wait? And they're like, oh, it's about an hour, hour 15. And she's like, I knew it. She's getting mad. And then all of a sudden, we waited there for, I mean, not even five minutes. And then they're like, uh, Eric, ready to go right And everyone's looking around. And people were like, what in the world? So she's like, what's going on? I don't know. Come on. And so we walked in, and they took us back through all the people. I mean, the people everywhere. 
And there is the, the only table. You know what Outback looks like. They have the brown tables. The only table. They had taken it to the next level. They had taken a white linen tablecloth and put it on there. And they had my roses and baby breath and everything right there. And the cards sitting there. And they had a uh, plate, all, you know, glassware and everything set up right there. And they were like, sir, right here. I mean, we walked by and women were punching their husbands in the arm of them. <laughs> and they're like, mm, I tell you, how can you never? I mean, they're hitting them, they're just looking. And I walk by and I pull the chair up. She's like, you know, you know, Pastor Abraham's just like, what? Is this fun? Are we supposed to be sitting here? <laughs> she always thinks she's going to be in trouble for something. She's like, is this fun? Are we supposed to be sitting there? I'm like, no, they just, they just, somebody else did this. And it's like, why did you do this? Did you have to be extra for this? I'm like, don't worry about it. We sit down and she's just cheesing from ear to ear. They already had her drinks pouring out there. She's like, oh my goodness. I said, see, while you were worrying, I had been working behind the scenes. Come on, somebody. Somebody get blessed right there. Because when we're all fretting, we don't know. We don't know how it's going to work, what's going to happen. There's no way possible. It's not going to work out. I don't see how anything good could come out of this situation. But somebody has been working on your behalf while you didn't even know it. While you were waiting, God is working. God is doing something behind the scenes. He's already taking care of it. He's got it laid out. The ways of the righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Come on, somebody. And when you get to that place where you say, I'm believing, I'm receiving, I'm believing, I'm receiving. I'm not moved by this temporary situation. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how big the parking lot is. I don't care how many people are out there. I don't care how much money I don't have. But I know that my God is working on my behalf. If you will believe, if you receive it, don't faint because it's only temporary. Yes. It's only temporary. And God is doing something. He's up to something. Look at somebody and say, he's up to something. You might not see it, but he's up to something. Man, I'm telling you, I've had to live those words these last few months. When I'm looking around and saying, the devil is a liar. Everywhere in my life, there's things that look like, there ain't no way. There ain't no way. I'm saying, you know what? I know you're working on my behalf. You've promised me. You've given me words. You've told me what's going to happen. And yet it hasn't happened yet, but I know it's going to happen. Because I believe you. I'm not moved by temporary situations. I'm not moved by this. I know what's going to happen because I believe you. And I know that there's more for me than against me. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. Here Elisha goes out with his servant. He says, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early in the morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. So he asked Elisha, oh, my master, what are we going to do? Don't be afraid, Elisha answered. For those who are with us are more than those who are with him. Then, and how many know that the servant was probably like, you looked out there? <laughs> There's two of us. There's hundreds of them, and they got us surrounded. How many have felt like that before? I'm by myself. I've got more month than money. I've got more bills. I'm, I'm getting more female than male. Come on, somebody. And they're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. The devil is a liar. We, drew, we piled everybody in our smallest car to get here this morning. And everyone's like, I'm cramped. I don't have any room. We got the baby in there. Because we have four cars in our house. And right now, we're down to the smallest one. Because everyone I'm in the shop, something going on with them all. And we're like, you dirty rotten scoundrel. We got somewhere to go this afternoon and the stuff we need and the other car that's at the shop. And we're just like, what is going on? And you know what? We got blessed. I'm, I'll just say, we got blessed with, you know, blessing here and there. We got large sum of money. And I'm like, praise God. Hallelujah. After, I'm going to remember uh, Pastor Ronald's anniversary. I preached and prophesied by this day. Man, I'm telling you, by that date, we got a blessing to blow your socks off. But guess what? 
It's all gone. We don't have nothing to show for it. <laughs> I mean, like my grandmother used to say, we don't have a pot to, or a window to throw it out of. Come on. And I'm like, what in the world? I'm like, Lord, why is it? One car, $1,900 to fix something. Then you get it out, still everything else, something else wrong. Oh, well, that'll be seven fifty. That'll be eight hundred. And I'm like, what's going on? And I'm like, I'm so mad. We had to buy school shoes. We had to do all the uniforms. And I'm just like, I was mad for a minute. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, well, wait a minute. Lord, if you hadn't have blessed us, we wouldn't have been able to do what we did, and we would have been in a world of hurt and not and without everything. But while we were waiting, you were working. You were setting things up so we'd have this, so we could do what we needed to do. Yeah, it stinks that we don't have the, the stockpile, and we can't do nothing we want to, and don't have nothing to show for it, but everything is getting taken care of. Come on, I'm telling you, you've got to look around. The situation that you're in is only temporary. You're not moved by what you see or feel, but faith in the Son of God. Yeah, and Elijah answered, he says, don't be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elijah prayed this prayer, and I pray this prayer for you today. Hallelujah. I pray this prayer for me today, for my wife, for this church, for everyone that's hearing this. Oh, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. God, open our spiritual eyes. Open the eyes of faith, God, that we can look at things, not through our natural limited senses, but God, let us see things the way you see them. Let us see them through the lens of your word. God, let us see them the fact that we know that you're working on our behalf. God, let us see them by faith in Jesus' name. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw that the hills were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Hallelujah. And there was more of them than was with us. The opening of our eyes, one, one commentator says, the opening of our eyes will be the silencing of our fears. When we open our eyes and ask God, let us see through your word. God, let us see things the way you see them. Then that will silence our fears. The clearer the sight we have of God's power, then the less we're going to fear the claims of this earth. When you really know that God's never let you down, that God's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask, think, or even imagine, the better we're going to live. Hallelujah. So you can't be moved by the temporary things. Whatever you're seeing today, that's just temporary. Look at your neighbor and say, forget about it. Forget about it. It's just temporary. This too shall pass. Hallelujah. And know that just like I went ahead of time and took care of my woman because I loved her and because I could, then know that God loves you and he's able and he's already taken care of it. Fulton, the Lord has already worked on your behalf. There's some things that you're believing God for right now that you're saying, God, I'm going to have this. I've got to have that. And you've even lined it out and said, if this shifts, then, then that'll take care of it. This. And God's saying, don't worry, because I'm working on it behind the scenes. I'm doing some things you don't even know about. There are people that are discussing you right now to do something for you that you don't even know about, but I've got it all under control. I've got it all under control. So I hope that ministers to you. Is that minister to you? I mean, you've already you said, if this can move and that can move, then I can do this. But God says, don't even worry about it because I'm already working on it. I've got some things in the working for you. Hallelujah. We've got to abide in him, stay close to Jesus, don't get caught up in the temporary, and lastly, receive God's gift of faith. If you're going to believe and receive, you've got to learn how to receive. How many can be honest and say there's been a time where you've had a problem receiving? Anybody here that had a problem receiving? I'm a giver, and for years I like to give, and but I didn't want to receive. When people want to do stuff for me, I'm like, no, 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 that's okay. No, you keep it. No, you do that. Hey, I got over that. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so if God is moving on anybody's heart to bless the man of God, I will let you. I will let some of your help. 
go right ahead. But there was a time in my life where I thought it was humble. It was the kind of this false humility that, no, 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 I don't want you to do that. No, you, you keep that. You need it more than me. I would go on mission trips, and I remember the first time I was in Mexico ministering, and I went to this church, and I ministered there. God moved powerfully. And after the service, they came up with this envelope. And, and they had, it was shaken, you know, it was heavy. And they had some pesos in there, and, you know, some little, and they were like, oh, brother, here, here's an offering. And I was like, no, no way. I was like, you guys keep that. I'm not going to, you know, I was, no, I'm not going to come to the mission field and take money from you guys. Bless God, you keep that. And the pastor's face dropped. And he said, and he looked down, and he said, pastor, please don't rob us yeah. from Sowing seed into, and I was like, man, it changed my mind. And I said, I repent. I'm sorry. I received that. I took that offering and I prayed over it and I put it in my briefcase. You know that that stayed in my briefcase for probably two years. I never, I never moved it. It was just in there, and I just, I just said thank you so much, and I prayed over it. And I believe that God, they needed to do that. That was more for them than it was for me. But I was putting a blocky because I know I, I don't need that. I came here to bless you. Why would I take that? But you've got to get in a place where you can receive. Yeah. Because you're stopping other people. You're hurting other people. Yes. And God's moving on them to bless you and to give. And you say, no. Who are you to stop what God has done? We've got, because if we can't receive from our brother and sister, I mean, there's no way we're going to be able to receive from God. Right. And so God wants us to get into that place where we can learn to receive. Because the gift of faith is just that. According to the Bible, we've got to understand that faith, getting faith is not a struggle. We make it a struggle. Oh, how many right now, in the last few weeks, I've been talking about faith. And some of you in your mind, you're thinking, man, I just, I just, that's, you know, that's okay for him. He lived in Tulsa. He went to ORU. That's easy for him. But it's hard for me, you know. Faith doesn't have to be a struggle. You know why it doesn't have to be a struggle? Because it's a gift of God, number one. And number two, you know why it doesn't have to be a struggle? Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says this. For by grace are you saved through faith. That it's the gift of God that you might not boast. Guess what? You receive that gift of faith by grace. And God graces you to receive that so you can't boast about it. Guess what? I give testimony sometimes and I know, I know, I know the religious devils get irritated and some of them have been in this church and they're gone now because they got irritated. A religious spirit came up and they said, I don't know who he thinks he is. Why has he always got to talk about this and talk about that? Who cares if God blessed him with this and he's got that and who's got that? Let me tell you something. You know why I do that? Because I didn't do anything. Come on. It's not me boasting about me. You had never was. Well, that last story I told, that, that was all me. Come on. <laughs> that was me and, and, and Brother Troy and, and Outback. Uh, I am boasting of myself there. I was pretty good. Come on. Come on. <laughs> I got husband of the year right there. But I'm telling you, when I start talking about things, the majority of the time, it's what God has done. Because I can't boast about it. There's no boasting in E. Because if it had not been for the Lord on my side, I would have been a mess. Amen. If, I, if God hadn't came through, everything that I talk about is a gift of God. Why? Because God did it. Because I believe that I received. And I'm trying to get this through you today. That it's the grace of God, not by works, so I can't boast. There's a difference between head faith and heart faith. One of them is just kind of mentally believing, oh, something could happen. You know, I sing about it, I pray about it, I read about it. Yeah, that could work. The other is getting, when you get a thus saith the Lord for your life, then that's heart faith. When that drops down in your spirit, and you know that you know that you know that you read something in the Word of God, you heard from God Himself, the man or woman of God said, Blam, this is what's going to happen. You got that inner witness inside of you. Whatever it was that you had a thus saith the Lord for your life, come hell or high water, nobody can take that away from you. 
Why? Because that's a heart faith that came down on the inside of you. When I was 12 years old, I was kneeling on the side of a bale of straw. And God said, I'm going to take you all over the nations. And I'm going to use you to minister to my people. You're going to minister to my people, whatever age they are, how whatever color they are, however they look, you are called to preach and minister to my people. And I held on to that word. And when I was growing up in the ghetto, and there was no way that I was going anywhere, I couldn't get downtown, let alone around the world. You know what I held on to that, thus saith the Lord, that you will take this word all over the world and preach to my people. You know what, when I was my back up against the wall in a 300 square foot apartment in Port Clinton, Ohio, on top of somebody else's house, getting evicted because I didn't have the $400 to pay the rent, and I didn't have any lights on, and I'm sitting there thinking, all has forsaken me, and what I'm going to do, all of a sudden, I heard that you will take my power all over the world, and I'm going to call you to do that, and I held on to that word, and I'm telling you, through everything that I've been through, every time the enemies try to beat me down, shut me up, close my mouth, kick me out, I've held on to the thus saith the Lord, and it has come to pass because God is working on my behalf while I'm waiting. And I'm telling you today, you've got to receive that gift of faith. And receive it and say, I'm not going to let go. That is not head faith. That had nothing to do with my hand because I'm telling you, if it was head faith, I would have lost it a long time ago. So I can't put my mind around this. There's no way possible this is going to work. You can't talk me into it. You can't whip me up into a frenzy. But it's not head faith. It is heart faith. And the key is you heard from him. You heard from him. Hallelujah. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing. And hearing the spoken word of God to your life. And I want you to know today that God wants us to be believers, to believe in what we hear, believe the word of God, not be moved by what we see, not be moved by what we feel, but be moved by faith in the Son of God and stay close to Him, abide so close to Him that you know what? You begin praying out the desires that God has. Your desires move from, oh Lord, I want a Cadillac. I want you to give me a Cadillac. It moves to, God, give me an old panel van that I can fill up with food and go and feed people that are hungry. Lord, give me, you know, and then all of a sudden, what happens? You start doing that. You be obedient to do what God says, and all of a sudden, the Cadillac comes because the blessing of God comes and somebody else God uses somebody else who saw you being faithful. Oh, somebody's being blessed right here. God uses somebody else that saw you being faithful, doing what God called you to do. And they say, you know what? I'm admired by your faithfulness, and I want to bless you. Yes. It's not that God gives you the Cadillac. It's that God uses, Luke 6, 30, it says, given it shall be given unto you, so that men will give back to you. Yes. Hello? And so when you're faithful, when you get God's desires, and you begin doing God's desires, all of a sudden the blessings of the Lord make rich and add no sorrow. Amen. When I said yes to God to go to Africa to minister to poor, hurting people, then on the way to Africa, God made a way to stop in Dubai, and men blessed me. Come on, somebody. Why? Because I wasn't going to Dubai to get... A blessing from a man. I was going to Africa to fulfill the heart of God and to do his desires. And along the way, God says, ah, you know what I see right here? I see someone that's delighting themselves in me. Amen. Hallelujah. And so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give them the desires of their heart. My heart's desire was to go to Dubai, to go in the tallest building in the world, to you know, preach in the biggest church in Dubai. That was my heart's desire. But when I was delighting myself in the Lord, He gave me the desires of my heart. Yeah. Come on, somebody. Are you getting that today? And many of you today, Lenny, you can start playing. Many of you today are at a place where you've been 
praying, you've been seeking, you've been believing. But guess what? God's already given you the measure of faith. He's already measured out. If you look at it this way, he's already measured out the amount of faith that you need right now. It says, you know what? What I've called you to do, what I've put in your heart, the things that I'm going to put in your heart, There, you need that much faith. I've measured it out. But you know what? You've only used half of that. So it's time to dig deep and tap into the rest of that faith. Claire, I'm going to call you to do some big things. So you know what? I measure out the faith that I've given you. And you've already been given that, oh, I need more faith. God, I pray. You know, we're praying, God, give us faith to believe. No, he's already given you the measure of faith. But we can pray, God, stir it up. Stir that gift up inside of me. And you know how that's stirred? By getting ready to receive. By delighting yourself in the Lord. By abiding in him. Stand close to him. How many are ready for that faith just to rise up? For you to believe that you're received. I mean, you're tired of going through things with that really. Come on. He didn't realize it was prophetic that he's going to help me preach. But how many have had that? You've had that really? God, is it, is it really going to happen? And I know we've been going through the ringer here. A lot of us, everybody. Everybody that's connected to this house has been going through the ringer. Some of them have fainted. Some of them have given out, lost hope. But you know what? If you believe, you receive. In believing, you receive. In believing, you receive. Abide in Him. Stay close to Jesus. Do what He's calling you. Delight yourself in the Lord. You know what I'm doing more and more? I just delight myself in the Lord. Lord, whatever you have me to do, Last week after church, we drove all the way to Plano and did children's church for a church that's struggling. We're doing it again today and next week. Why? Do I want to do children's church after I preach? No. But you know what? I'm delighting myself in the Lord. This church is like, hey, we need we need help. If you get it, and I've got the skill set, God's blessed me, so you know what? I'm going to do it. They're not paying me nothing. I'm driving my own gas. I'm doing, but you know why I'm doing it? Because I'm delighting myself in the Lord. Amen. And you know what? Tons of kids were touched last week. And I believe they're, they're going to be touched this week. Amen. And guess what? I know that I know that on my way to delight myself in the Lord, somewhere, somehow, yes. men is going to give it in my bosom. My one car that's in the shop, I thought it was going to be $1,500. One place quoted, or more, $1,500, $2,000. Guy texted me yesterday and said, sorry it's been so long. He said, it's going to be about $400. Yeah. <laughs> I never shouted about $400 before. But I said, thank you, Jesus. Why? Because when I delight myself in the Lord, men will give unto your bosom. Amen.